A brief message from your friendly neighborhood editing Jordan. We tend to try to keep things pretty PG-13 around here, but this is an improv podcast. So who knows what we're going to say. Sometimes we throw in some swearing, some sexual content, and some violence. So as a general warning, viewer discretion is advised. Also to be noted, the opinions stated about a certain tabletop role-playing game are just that, our opinions. We love the game and we like talking about it. So any criticisms are really just all in good fun. All right, with that out of the way, let's get on with the show. Word on this computer. There it is. All right. I still can't hear the lady, even if you... you're the one hitting record. <laughs> All right. Well, Jordan, are you excited to talk about fourth edition with a guest today? See, I don't know why you're making me do this because I'm excited about the guest, but like, seriously, we're talking about fourth. Taryn's not even here. We don't have to like let him infect the. Yeah. I've Lord. decided. <laughs> That today, in spirit, I am going to channel Taryn, and so I'm going to be the fourth edition Stan on the <laughs> podcast today. All I gotta say is that 4E is the best number E sound. 4E sounds better than 5E and 2E. I'd rather say 4E all day of the week. I will give you that. It is more fun to say. But <laughs> I can't believe Jordan yeah. broke immediately. She's already agreeing that 4E is good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't say that the game was good. I said that the name was good. There's a difference. I will not give uh, Taryn the satisfaction. <laughs> Tui sounds a little uh, Australian to me. <laughs> I forget what the uh, term is, but they have a very close uh, call that they do to each other. It's very close to Tui. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like something like, like, oh, yeah, man, I'm going to go down to the Tui. Like, sounds like a gas station or something. Tui. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to the Nat One Podcast, aka Nope, because nope, you're not gonna want to hear what we're about to have to say. I'm producing. I'm Levi. And I'm Jordan. All right. So, first off, Nat One Podcast, uh, welcome our guest. Bye-bye. Woo! Yes. Thank our you. new, our first guest of the new year. In 2023. Yeah. That is not part of our immediate friend group. Look, guys, yeah. we're reaching out. <laughs> <laughs> so, for the lovely people at home that are listening, would you like to introduce yourself and what you do and everything? I'm Mitch McDonald. I run a fourth edition uh, podcast, uh, real play podcast, and drug one of our players from second edition, kicking and screaming, and then. Two of my other players are fairly new to Dungeons and Dragons, so I got to help them learn how to play. And one of my newer players actually came from, I think, 3.5. So we've got a little bit of variety in the uh, editions that we've played. Yeah, that sounds like a nice mixed bag. I mean, mm -hmm. I know, at least for us, and then like the the big names like critical role and them very fifth edition based so yes yes if if you were the jehovah's witness of fourth edition <laughs> what would you say after someone answers your door and about fourth edition you know here's my thing on editions i came in to AD&D and then i played 3.5 briefly and I came back around into fourth edition because of another podcast that I listened to uh, called Critical Hit. I started listening to them. And after about six months of listening to them, I decided, no, I've got to get into D&D again. And uh, so for me, fourth ed edition is what I know because I listened to a fourth edition podcast for um, actually now I've listened to it for probably five years so it just happens to be the system that I fell into and know kind of what I do is I pretty much use the rules that work for us and then things from previous editions that I like or even fifth edition I bring that all into uh, the same edition so I'm not exactly an ambassador for one edition more <laughs> than any other I can say that I like that fourth edition doesn't seem to be as easy on the players as fifth edition. Some of the fifth edition monsters I was looking at, I'm like, 
wow, they took all the bite out of these things, you know? <laughs> True, like the Tarrasque. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then you you look back to like uh, AD&D and your odds of survival in a AD&D campaign was a lot lower than it is in 5th edition. Meat grinder! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. And I think AD&D was a little bit too far on that side. And I think 5th edition has gone too too much to the player's side and make them too powerful too soon. So I like that 4th edition is kind of a mix. Seems to have a pretty good uh, rule set. There's a few things that I really don't understand why they took out called shots for one. True. Like, yes. We if I want to take a negative on a hit or a two hit, I should be able to do that in order to aim where I'm uh, where I'm shooting at or uh, striking at. And so in my game, we still have called shots. No one uses it for the most part, but if they want to, it's there, you know? Um, so, yeah, it's an odd thing, but I really am not an ambassador for any given system. I like taking all of the rules of whatever I really like um, and bringing it back to the one I happen to be playing at the moment, you know? So Yeah, that's very fair. We do something like that, too. We, like, 5th mm -hmm. edition is, like, our base, but we stole – um, the spell save rules from 3.5, right? Where you have the spell level. Because we hate the 5th edition <laughs> yes. spell save. Um, <laughs> the saver suck system. Um, what was it? We tried called shots for a bit. We found, I don't know if it was the called shot rules or if we just found a set of called shot rules online. Um, we tried that for a bit. It wasn't bad. It was interesting. I... I agree that I think there should be a definitely a system in place for calling mm -hmm. a shot like a beholder if you want to attack a certain eye or something or if mm -hmm. you want to describe a monster that has a weak point somewhere like their arm looks really damaged as soon as you start the fight or something like there's definitely a place for called shots just gotta like find a we gotta find a really good one <laughs> in, I think they're still in Vivia 3 right yes in okay, our for, for, for a little bit of explanation produce it <laughs> and I are the two dms of our circle and we mm -hmm. alternate campaigns so right mm -hmm. now he's dming the campaign that we're playing and i'm a player and i'm making the sequel to the last campaign we played that i dm'd mm -hmm. and called shots are a rule that i use at my table but yeah just like you said no one uses them <laughs> even though they're there the options there and readily available um but i think also kind of everyone just kind of forgets they're there um mm -hmm. true sometimes there's like rule overload like you're trying to yeah. remember your character's kit and then sometimes it's a little hard to remember like the the everyone rules pretty much like, Which that can is, happen um i will say that us being a group that started in 5e we've talked about this several times on the podcast but now you're here so we'll talk about it again with you <laughs> that fifth edition is I mean, like you said, they, they pretty much dumbed down everything for 5th edition mm -hmm. because the whole point was we want to expand to a wider audience. We want it to be more accessible to people. So they did things like that. They removed called shots because it was seen as something that was like, this is too complicated. People won't get it. Um, but I feel like uh, what a better option for that would have been to do is do something like where the Dungeon Master's Guide at the end of it for 5th edition has this whole set of things where it's like, Here's also a bunch of optional things you can do that you don't mm -hmm. have to do that you can present to your players where they could have just carried over several things like that from previous editions that um, would be useful mechanically for players that do want to dig into the gritty, the, the gritty, the nitty gritty, <laughs> excuse me, a little bit more um, like that, because I know that myself at least and i believe pertusit and one or two maybe three or four of our players at the table have all talked about before how if it was online accessible we would switch to a previous edition besides fifth edition we're kind of pathfinder yeah <laughs> we're kind of at point <laughs> where now we've played the game for so long that all of us are comfortable with the rules and we're like okay we don't need to be in beginner mode anymore which is what we kind of feel like fifth edition is it's no. the gateway drug. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, and for what it does, I mean, I, uh, my wife and I watch Critical Role. Mm -hmm. um, 
the only problem we have is keeping up with it because every episode is like four or five hours long. And yeah. It's I'm a so lot behind. Of, <laughs> we're on episode 32 of uh, this season. So, I mean, we're behind a bit, but mm-hmm. it definitely drew a lot of people into uh, D&D and that's great, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people who are into it because of also um stranger things yeah. being into it yeah uh i've gotten from a couple of people you play dnd you mean like what they play on uh stranger things i'm just yeah. like uh <laughs> kind of yeah. kind of <laughs> my big bad at the end doesn't die with one hit uh like the one the first season the final boss died in one hit i'm sitting mm. here just twitching going <laughs> it's not it's not a uh um i was gonna say mimic but that's not it minion it's not a minion you don't get to just take down the big bad with one hit that's not that's not right <laughs> true that's for those min max builds that say and i deal 500 damage like <laughs> taryn okay I, guys, 11 rolled a nat 20 that's the only, like you have to kill it in one hit for a nat 20 yeah oh man <laughs> the one scene that really bugged me that they did in the last season of it that's out um, was they show them playing and they want to be dramatic about it. And they show them throwing the dice across the table and right amongst all the minis and this great stuff that they have built. And I'm just sitting there twitching. And I told my players, if you ever do that, I will kick you out of my game. (laughs) (laughs) Valid though. Like, yeah, no, I feel that. (laughs) Don't throw dice at the minis. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Oh, it, it just bugged me so much. But visually, it was exciting, and I understood why cool they shot. do that. But at the same time, I was, you know, kind of twitching. Yeah. Um, yeah. As any respectable D&D player should have been. Yeah, true. <laughs> we, um... We had a... we I think we did an episode talking about, like, D&D as it's represented in media... Because, mm-hmm. like, man, they struggle to do it sometimes, huh? <laughs> Stranger Things is not one of the most egregious, but there is, oh, no, no, it's no. bad at times on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And Stranger Things. Sometimes Stranger Things also does not do it yeah. justice. <laughs> I think the mm-hmm. three of us at least all know what we think the most egregious one is. We do. Which is the Big Bang, Big Bang. Theory. Oh, yeah, yeah, Big Bang Theory right, is atrocious. That's <laughs> which rules every awful. sentence. Yeah. <laughs> but... Only the uh, DM rolls dice, guys. <laughs> Very excited for the new movie, though. It's definitely not going to explain the system. But honestly, I don't know if a movie or show should ever dive into the systems too hard. <laughs> but this new movie looks like it's really going to capture that feel and hopefully bring a lot of people in, just like Stranger Things and Critical Role. Very excited for it, honestly. It looks like it has a similar vibe to The Princess Bride, which makes me mm. very happy. Yeah. I'm not going yeah. in and expecting anything amazing, but I think it'll be fun. And that's what I'm signing up for. <laughs> I don't uh, know what you're talking about when you say uh, media shouldn't explain rules per two. Said, I want the Warhammer 40k show to explain how tabletop Warhammer works oh, no. to right, its Dylan. audience. Eight hour first episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to understand this one joke, you need to know that the Warhammer, they only recharge on a six. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, but that's there um i guess let's get into why don't you tell us hold on, uh, hold oh, on just yeah. a second i'm going to disable my clock so it doesn't continue to do yeah no problem the power of editing <laughs> we'll come and save the editing day. jordan, jordan. <laughs> editing jordan it's been so long since we've had a mention of editing jordan i think yes it has been and probably it's even been longer a, for it's viewers. been a minute yeah. yeah yeah well yeah it's been however long it's been for us plus a month for the yeah. viewers because <laughs> this episode should be coming out sometime in march presumably sorry about that i nope. knew i had forgotten to do something <laughs> you're all good the power of editing will save the day yes <laughs> yeah. um but as i was getting to uh now we're out of that why don't you tell us if you don't mind some of your favorite memories of like the games you've played whether as a dm or player anything you want to share is really fun really cool well, here's the thing. I've mm-hmm. actually only played as a player maybe twice, and that was when I was a kid. Oh. And every game that I've been involved in since then 
is me uh, gathering people up and bringing them into the game with me. And considering I'm not exactly, don't have a huge amount of friends around me at any given time, you know, uh, it's always been very limited when I can actually play. And the way I got into it was interesting because I think I was like 11, 12, we were on a field trip and my best friend, uh, while we're on the bus, he's like, hey, do you want to play a game? Okay. You know, mind you, this is uh, back in the mid 80s. That would have been like 84, 85, somewhere in there. Uh, so this is before everyone had a phone in their pocket that they could just play games on whatever. So the idea of playing a game on the bus, yeah, this is cool. <laughs> so he pulls out a notepad and starts writing down a bunch of random numbers and he uh, starts looking at a book and writing things down. And I'm like, all right, well, when are we going to start playing the game? And that was kind of my introduction to it. And then we played, I don't know, probably four or five sessions and just life. And we kind of moved away from it and then um, played a couple of games with my brothers and neither one of them are nerds. And I've always been a nerd. So they were just like, ugh. They still bring that up wherever I talk about D&D now. They're like, yeah, you made us play a game when we were kids. That's <laughs> enough of that. But then we uh, later on, you know, I, I was able to play with a few different um, people, but it was always like a couple of people. I always played a character, but it is very difficult to enjoy the game the way you want to when you're also the DM. Because you know the twists, you know the turns coming up, and yeah, you try and not let that in, but it's uh, it's very hard to do. You don't get the full um, experience of it. Absolutely, absolutely. So coming up here, uh, actually very soon, one of the things that my group has decided to do is uh, on Black Friday, we always have a game day because everyone hates Black Friday that I know. <laughs> because I've gone out a few times, the only thing I've come back with is a headache, you know, and I've never gotten true. a decent deal the whole time. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> Urge to kill a rising, you know. <laughs> That's an old Sim uh, Simpsons reference. For those who get it, they get it, you know. So what we do is we play a game where everyone actually gets together rather than being on Zoom. They come to my house and we all play together on uh, Black Friday. Well, this year, uh, one of my other players decided that he wanted to run a AD&D &D campaign for us. And so uh, what we are going to be doing is just before Valentine's Day, we're going to run a bloody Valentine's Day game where it's a uh, second edition module that is very much uh you're not going to survive it so don't get it to attach <laughs> this character give me just a second and i can tell you which uh module it is <laughs> that sounds really exciting not gonna lie that sounds really fun <laughs> <laughs> the temple of elemental evil Ooh. is what he'll be running for us so i'm like super excited about this because i finally get to be a player in a game and then about the same time I started talking to you about being on here, there was another post on TikTok, someone saying, hey, uh, you know, I've got a game that I want to run and I need players for it because he does a podcast also. And so I'm going to be a member of the Savage Worlds podcast for uh, the foreseeable future. There's a, uh, sorry, not Savage World, it's called uh, a Sundered World. It's running Savage Worlds. Um, but it's a side quest kind of thing called uh, Stumpwater Tales. So it's not the main campaign, but it's like a side campaign that they're uh, um, taking us on. So I'll actually get to be a player on more of a long-term, more of a long-term basis rather than just like one session here and there, you know. But as far as what I've DM'd, there's a couple of things that have really kind of stood out as moments that 
my players have not forgiven me for or forgotten. So our main campaign was going along and we started it back in 2019. One of my players is a nurse and well, 2020 hit and everything just took a dump on us. So I end up more or less losing this player. Like it's months between times where we can actually uh, get him uh, committed to a day, right? Because of having to work. So we we started recording a set of, uh, it was supposed to be a one shot, but it ended up being basically a separate campaign in the same world. Now, in this one, we decided basically, you know, I run them out on different missions every session or every two sessions and just have fun with it. No big deal. Okay. So they get sent out to take care of some bandits that are about to raid a town. And they're supposed to go out and do a little reconnaissance, see if, see what's going on and report back to the town, stop the nonsense if they can stop it. But if not, get back into town before anything happens. Okay, cool. Pretty basic kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. They get out to the bandit camp, realize there's, I don't know, eight, 10 people there, something like that. And uh, they decide to um, get close into the camp. They end up getting, making noise, get found out. So this big battle ensues, okay. You know, pretty typical stuff. Nat ones are um, an amazing thing for moving a story along sometimes. (laughs) And uh, so they go through this pretty hefty battle. And uh, it was pretty close. It was touch and go for a while. They go back into the camp because they basically drew everyone out of the camp. They had their uh, fight down on the trail. And then they um, go back into the camp to raid the camp, see what's there, get all the goodies, that kind of thing. And there's uh, three separate tents. In one tent, there's a single um, treasure chest that is chained up. Now, of course, they're like, ooh, treasure, cool. Uh And they go over, they (laughs) start trying to open it, and can you guess what it is? Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's a mimic. Of course it is. (laughs) Now, I threw that at him because... Two of my players kept mentioning everything was going to be a mimic. It's going to be a mimic. It's going mm-hmm. to, okay, you want a mimic, so battle for one at you. Cool, <laughs> no big deal. They, they get pretty beat up by this one mimic. And mind you, this is after a major fight that they just got done with. They have a battle with this one mimic. And they're like, oh, that was pretty bad. Okay, cool. We won. They go into the other tent. There's six treasure chests oh, chained no. up, same way, lined out <laughs> along the back of this tent. They went in, and I made it to where they didn't just automatically attack them. Even if the one next to them was being attacked, they mm-hmm. had to go to it and start messing with each individual one in order to, uh, in order to actually activate the mimic, right, mm-hmm. and make him attack. It. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, they can't be that stupid. Okay, <laughs> they go to the first one, they try and open it. It's a mimic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the players went through, and he, for some reason, he assumed that there was no way there were going to be six mimics in a uh. row. <laughs> and he activated every single one of them. Oh and gosh. these three players somehow managed to survive seven mimics and like eight uh, different bandits and walked away from it. But I'll tell you what, they don't let me live that down. <laughs> that was like off the cuff, right? Mm-hmm. Just as, as they're in there, they're, they're going back into the, uh, into the camp. That's when I decided, okay, I'm going to throw a mimic at him, call it good. And the fact that they did that, I was like, no way. I lined up a whole bunch of them. So that was just off the cuff. That wasn't even fully planned out. Mm -hmm. Now, because of that scene, 
basically the concept behind that is those uh, bandits were out spreading mimics around to uh, cause problems in town. They were going to take those treasure chests into town and basically set them out into the wild and let whoever comes across them get eaten by these things, right? Because they're wanting to kind of destabilize the town. And uh, so because of that one moment, that choice, later on in the campaign, they actually start to find out why the mimics are there. Because to this point, no one had ever seen a mimic in this world. They didn't exist. And so there's a whole story about how mimics are created that they're not a like natural or anything like that creature. They're actually created by a wizard who is um, basically going out and capturing people, bringing them back to his lair and turning them into mimics. So there's this whole thing going on with that. So that is so cool though. That's I the, love that. That is the <laughs> essence of the DM's joy, I think, is doing is it, the yeah. off-the-cuff thing that becomes a major yeah. plot element. That, <laughs> yep. That's beautiful. Also, moral of the story, never underestimate how stupid your players can be. <laughs> or how oh, stubborn yeah. your DM so, will be. <laughs> when, that's again, that, beautiful. I don't know how that tends to be like the rule of Dungeons and Dragons, but it always is. Is just like the situation will arise where the DM will internally be like, "Surely they wouldn't do this. Surely they wouldn't do this thing that is obvious." And then the players, then the players do it. Of course, that, that it's oh. intellectual chicken, and the players always win. Yeah, win, yeah. <laughs> win, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Yeah. They... <laughs> Um, that reminds so me. one of the things I actually regretted about, um, I think it was that that particular session was I decided my wife is playing and she's playing a cleric and she basically had almost no armor. And I'm not against like, uh, like home brewing some armor or weapons or fun little knickknacks, you know, I think it's entertaining. I wasn't really thinking about it. I think I was pretty tired at the time when I made this. And I've kind of regretted it because one of the, like, uh, one of the leaders had on armor that was plus eight. And I hadn't thought about the plus that I added to it. And it's like later I'm going, oh, my God, I just gave her, like, God-level armor. <laughs> <laughs> and it's come back to bite me a few times because now she's, not impossible to hit by any means, but she's as well armored as like the the uh, fighter, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot harder to hit her. It's like, well, that was a goof. <laughs> yeah, for that sure. Doesn't sound like anything we would have ever. Yeah, Levi, you wouldn't have any experience with immediately regretting giving people <laughs> items in game, would you? <laughs> oh, I was referring more to Pertusit giving my paladin a plus ten shield. Oh, I hey. was thinking about Finral. <laughs> uh, here I was. I was thinking about uh, the table, uh, the deck of many things, and the bonket. Again, see, I haven't been so silly as to put a deck of many things in front of my <laughs> yeah, players. Yeah, who would cause... do that? Who would do something like that? <laughs> what? <two> of them. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen what they'll do with boxes that they know are mimics so it's like no no we, we don't need that oh man would do something like that and then after having them do it once in a campaign say ah oh, yes i should do it again in the next I can't campaign imagine. i can't imagine what kind of twisted individual would have that process of thought <laughs> certainly made things interesting can't deny that yeah yeah oh um one of the other interesting things about this world is Basically, I don't know if I mentioned it, but my podcast is called Paper Dragons Podcast. Mm -hmm. And in this world, basically, there was a big battle between uh, dragons and pretty much everyone else. Uh, the dragonborn and dragons got together, decided they need to rule rather than the humanoids. And uh, so there was a big war. And that happened about 70 years before the point that they're playing at right now. So most of the races, people alive, haven't even seen a dragon 
you know, you might see the remains of one, but that's about it. So they basically got into a situation where they need to go find a jewel and bring it back to a, uh, my brain just left, not a church, but uh, basically same thing, monastery, basically. And uh, they find out that what they're actually looking for isn't a jewel, it's a dragonborn child. And they need to rescue this dragonborn child and bring it back to uh, the monastery to be basically protected because they're trying to change the amount of damage that was done in this world by getting rid of basically all of the dragons, which is what happened in the war. So it's a very interesting uh, thing where it's like, yeah, we won. But at what cost? Because there were actually a lot of very good dragons and good dragonborn. So they're actually trying to reverse some of the damage that was done uh, during those wars. And uh, we're basically at a point now where um, I lost two of my players in the original campaign. So the campaign kind of stopped. And we basically went into the alternate campaign as being the main thing and when my new uh player that came on wanted to be a dragonborn it's like okay cool (laughs) she comes in as a dragonborn is immediately um sent back in time by a uh dragon temple basically tells her you need to go help fix this problem before it gets to this point she doesn't get the choice and basically takes everyone with her that just is trying to help her out right so now they're back in time actually trying to solve uh they're in the middle of the war so they're trying to keep the major amount of damage um in the final three battles uh they're trying to prevent that from happening. So they're running around talking to uh, dragons, trying to get everyone to calm down and talk to each other and this kind of thing. So yeah, it's going to be fun. But talking about uh, different editions and everything, I heard about the Dilwar, and which are, I don't know if you guys have heard of them, but they're like little... Uh, sketchy penguin people from space pretty much mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's a spell that. jammer thing and as soon as i heard about them i was like no no those are in my campaign now <laughs> yeah so, <laughs> you know they basically uh just had an encounter with some door that were trying to help them out you know but um yeah it's been a lot of fun getting back into it and like really getting into a campaign and playing something bigger than just like one session and hey go do this thing now you're done and you got to come up with something new you know um so it's been very interesting to have that process because it's been uh here in like two months it'll be four years we've been playing this uh game and it's uh, a very positive thing for all of us Plus, I was actually able to get the other two players back on board to come back and finish out the original campaign so we can at least get that side of it done because they were literally in the middle of a battle at the end of the session, and that's when the people didn't come back from it. So it was like, now I have this whole conundrum of how do you, if it was just us playing the game, it wouldn't be that big of a deal, but it's being recorded for a podcast and I'm sitting here going how do I explain that away you know all of a sudden nope we're following these people over here now (laughs) you know so yeah no that sounds really interesting first off we'll we'll probably do like a thing at the end of like go check this out but for real though go check that out that sounds like a great (laughs) story yeah sounds really fun um there's another thing I was going to mention Oh, yeah. Who among us is familiar with dealing with a single race that's been almost wiped out to extinction? And then a player immediately says, I want to play as X race. (laughs) not me. (laughs) It wasn't a player. Excuse you. True. It was three. Four of you. Well, Taryn is Taryn's playing something that's not 
he's adjacent to it <laughs> yes um i i can relate to the dragon board incident my campaign that i'm running the humans were almost wiped out i said to them i, I told my players i said there's like 30 humans in the whole world and as soon as character creation, three people came and were like, I want to play a human, I think. I called <laughs> dibs first. I'm the human guy. It's my thing. You and every, and then on the other two, I guess. <laughs> so well, one of my players, basically the rules I set forth at the beginning of it was there are no dragons in this world. You can't be a dragonborn. Okay. And pretty much no one has ever even seen a dragon at this point because of the amount of destruction and everything that happened, right? One of my players, uh, he happens to also be the one who went around and poked every single mimic. Um, <laughs> he uh, came and said, okay, I want to play a gnome, and I was involved in the Dragon Wars. Amazing. <laughs> Were you not listening to the, to the instructions? <laughs> but <True. laughs> because of that, I was like, all right. And I gave him uh, basically his backstory that he was a pivotal part of the Dragon Wars because his family got wiped out and he was a very irritated little gnome. And uh, gnomes in this world are extremely powerful magicians and creators. And they basically took out most of the dragons. A band of... Uh, of uh gnomes and so it was like all right and at the end of the wars he basically realized the destruction he cut he caused and his god he turned his back on his god and his god said okay well you want to turn your back on me took him back to level one took away all of his skills and everything so that's how I explained away the 70 years and the fact that he uh, he's talking all this stuff, but he's like an extremely low-level character, you know. <laughs> um, that was an interesting moment because it was like, well, how do I handle that? All right, well, I'll just make it part of it. And there's also a fun scene where his back, his uh, history is coming back to bite him. And... Uh, there is a rock that got basically sent by someone to go harass the party. And every time he was on watch by himself, this rock would come down, grab him, pick him up into the sky about 40, 50 feet and just drop him. <laughs> I love that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And that was supposed to happen more than it did. But unfortunately, he was a smart gnome and decided he wasn't going to be on watch anymore after that. You know? <laughs> but yeah. Um, and then, of course, my power player I have is the one that wants to be fully asleep and then um, out of bed in his armor and out by the before he, the gnome hits the ground, it's like, no, hold on. This is six seconds. You don't get no, no, to no, act works. that quick. <laughs> True. But, we hit that all the time with our like paladin and like anyone that wears the armor, it's always like, okay, you get ambushed at night. Uh, I get all the armor on in a second. It's like, no. That's why you just pull a TJ <laughs> and sleep in your armor. <laughs> Take like There's exhaustion point. Well, if you go like, by the rules there, yeah, you get the that. exhaustion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think TJ knew that, but still he did it. <laughs> Oh, such is the way of the armor wearers. I'm a cool uh, dex user. I don't need it. No. Yeah, wow, Imagine so cool. being Marshall and being able to wear armor. Oh, I don't have to imagine. <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to go back to another thing you mentioned real quick. Mm -hmm. uh, this was something we haven't really messed with this much, but it's something I definitely feel like we should talk about, especially like as time goes on with this hobby. Uh, you mentioned finding people like on TikTok and finding campaigns there. We just came, well, Levi and I, we just came from a convention where there was a whole room dedicated to people starting up D&D uh, &D campaigns or TTRPG campaigns. And we've had, we have, I mean, we're all in early 20s or younger. So we've got this, we got our group right now, but there's a lot of the community that I feel like we don't think about as much because we are where we have our group. There's a lot of people that are finding their own groups and stuff online in different ways. 
Yeah. And we don't have that perspective. Can you talk much more about, about what that's all like getting into that side of it? You know, this was a moment for me that uh, was kind of interesting because I tend to, I'm an artist and when I get into something, I'm like in it. There's no, I'm not just tiptoeing into anything. If I start to do something, I'm just going knee deep into it and I'm just charging ahead, right? So um, I know that I have a tendency to overextend myself in things. So I was actually trying to be very cautious about getting involved in anything like that that I wasn't in control of, mainly because I don't want to overpromise what I can do. And the big thing for me is they said, okay, it's going to be recorded once a month and it's on either Friday, Saturday or Sunday. So I'm like, perfect. Those are my days off. I know that I can probably work around most schedules with that. And, you know, I'm, I follow a lot of TikTok creators and I've seen a few situations where people have, uh, um, posted that they were looking for players. And by the time I see it, there's like 700 people saying, yeah, me, me, pick me, pick me. I've seen those. (laughs) This happened to be um, a situation where I was uh, like second person to comment on this thing. And I was like, yeah, I would be interested in doing it. And it's the um, game that's going to be playing Savage Worlds. And I was like, yeah, I'm interested in playing, but I've never played Savage Worlds before. And he came back on there, you know, it's not a big deal. It's pretty easy to figure out once you get into it. And I kind of started that whole thing. And, you know, two days later, whenever I came back and looked at that post again, there's like, I don't know, 50 comments or something. People going, pick me, pick me. And I'm like, oh, I got in just at the right time because that could have been, uh, um, one where I just miss out on something fun. Um, so I don't know how it works too much for other people, but I'd say if you're interested in finding a group, definitely, uh, for me, TikTok is a good place to recommend because it is very interactive and, uh, I'm pretty sure there's people on there who are looking for players and there's absolutely players that are looking for a DM to run a game. I mean, that's one thing that is there's no lack of. So um, it's a good way to get in touch with a bunch of people. So uh, I was going to talk about Savage Worlds. Have you guys played that before? We have not. No, we're very, um, we're, we're babies at other TTRPGs. We have not <laughs> messed around. We need to. We need to mess we around with other to. ones, but we haven't much other than D&D and a little bit of Pathfinder. And whatever the weird amalgamation we used to play was. Yeah, we don't talk <laughs> about that. We don't talk yeah. about that. <laughs> we do. It was fun. The before times. <laughs> <laughs> so Savage Worlds is basically uh, like D&D light in a way. There's no D20 in it. Everything that you're doing is you're rolling a specific dice for the amount of uh, like skill that you have in any given thing a D4, and everything is based on you have to hit a four or better in order to succeed, right? So if you're very low or untrained at something, uh, you would roll a D4, and then you might have a negative. If you're untrained, you'd have like a negative two, right? So you're hoping you have other skills that help bring that up. And then you also roll what they call a wild dice, which is a D6. So you're rolling two... Uh, two dice at a time and you've always got that potential of getting a um, four or above even if you aren't trained in a skill and then that goes from d4 all the way up to d12 and what I love about this system is it's very much about um, instead of like with D&D you have are you going to be a fighter? Are you going to be a magic user? Are you going to be a cleric? Are you going to be, you know, whatever the other stuff that they have, artifice or whatever um, areas? You basically have these very um, defined 
uh, paths that you're going to be on, right? With uh, Savage Worlds, it's not that at all. You basically come in, you figure out, what do I want to play? Not, do I, you can say, yeah, I want to be a magic user, but it's like you don't have to be solely a magic user, right? You can be, you can have skills in like almost anything and uh, still be effective in the game. And it gives you all kinds of uh, things. One of the fun things about it is they also give you what are called edges and hindrances. So your character will have like um, some things that give them kind of a negative on whatever they're doing. Uh, I'll just kind of explain the character that I came up with so that you guys can see what I did with it. Um, so basically my character is a half folk, which is basically a halfling. Um, and he's a magician, but he's a stage magician is his career, right? So he takes his little cart from town to town and his whole thing is just putting on a good show. And he actually does stage magic rather than using his actual magic that he has. So he's got all these uh, illusions and stuff that he's built and he uses his real magic to kind of enhance the effect. But it's not like he's saying, well, this disappeared. Well, that's just me making it disappear. It's he might hide one thing about it that makes it so you can't see the posts right there, whatever it is, right? So he has a he has a uh, rather large gray wolf that travels around with him, and that's his beautiful assistant, you know. And uh, he basically has these different things set up with her, like little routines that they do. Um, in order to uh, kind of entertain the crowd. And then it comes up and he puts her in one box and it dis she disappears from there and reappears in another box, all this kind of stuff. But he's an illusionist, but he also has uh, some fighting skill, not a whole lot. Um, what he likes is being underestimated, right? People look at him and go, well, he's just a stage magician. He doesn't know anything. Well, he can do magic. He can do illusions. He can do, um, they have basically like a fire burst thing that he can do, which is just what it sounds like, 2d6 of damage in a circle of people, you know. So he holds back on that until it's ag actually necessary because he's not interested in fighting. He just, uh, he wants to do the stage magic well one of it or its hindrances are one he's very loyal or he's very uh, heroic so if someone comes with a sob story of oh i'm having this problem he's going to be the one to run off and go help whether it makes sense or not he's also uh he's got a thing about uh ravens right because back in his life a few different things happen where he was planning on doing something, there are ravens around and everything just went to pot, right? All of a sudden everything falls apart. And so now he's equated ravens with being spies. So I took the delusional um, hindrance and no one believes him, but he's like, yeah, every time there's ravens around, there's spies, I don't know who it's for, but there's these ravens around and they, um, everything goes bad. Don't talk around the ravens, right? So that gives him like this uh, kind of issue that role play wise can really kind of screw with the scene whenever they're trying to do their planning or whatever. It's one of those things where I'm going to be going, looking around, looking for any kind of birds or ravens or anything like that. Um, and then what was my other one I did? Uh, oh, he's the other one I chose was called Habit. And his habit is basically being extremely obnoxious, talking about what he's going to do on for the next show, how he's going to improve it, right? So they'll be talking about something. He's just going to go off on a tangent about, no, no, I figured out what I can do. I can do this. I can uh, put a mirror here, and it'll make it just so that he can um, kind of show he's not fully hinged. But, you know, overall, he's just out there wanting to have a good time, put together a good show. And then 
because of taking hindrances, that's what gives you the edges, which are the benefits that you get that help you um, do whatever you want to do better, you know? So I basically went through and looked at it and I was like, all right, this is what I want to do. I want to give him some ability to help in a fight, but I don't want to make him overpowerful. And for the most part, the wolf is not going to be about uh, helping in a fight. The wolf is going to be his transport for getting out of a fight. If he can, you know, um, it may attack if it needs to, but it's, that's going to be kind of reserved because that's not their normal shtick. So it's like, no, the wolf is wanting to stay out of it as well, you know, but not above protecting. So yeah. it's that kind of stuff. Basically you create a character and then you choose all this stuff that builds that character rather than going, okay, I'm going to play a fighter. And this is the very specific and lined out things I can do. So yeah, I like I like that system from the way you've described it. Like this addresses a problem, a couple of problems that I have with like how it works in D D. And I'm sure that I think we sort of share amongst us all. Yeah. Um oh yeah first off the problem of like people there will be like like I played a rogue in the in the last campaign I was a player in and in fifth edition rogues are supposed to have a lot of expertise and skills but I was constantly being outshined anyway by the bard who also had expertise and skills, <laughs> but also access to ninth level magic. So <laughs> they could fly whenever they wanted or go invisible whenever they wanted. I could persuade about as well as they could. And that's it. That's <laughs> I, I had the same experience with the same bard of like my cleric being maxed out on wisdom and all this stuff and having observe it and everything. Mm-hmm. And the bard's uh passive insight and uh, perception were still higher than mine <laughs> yeah so a system that enforces uh benefits and cons that are like direct like that with those those edges and the hindrances that sounds like that would help deal with the problem that that we encountered personally <laughs> in fifth edition for sure but that sounds really cool. Definitely have to check that out. Absolutely. I actually remembered about halfway through you explaining that, that uh, we did half lie earlier. Pertusit didn't lie. But when he said we haven't touched other TTRPGs, I thought about it while you were talking because I was thinking this sounds extremely familiar to this other one that I, just me alone, have played. I've played mm. Monster of the Week, uh, yes, which <laughs> is a sort of... Um, like an episodic style literally what it's supposed to be is it's supposed to be every session that you play is kind of like a scooby-doo style there's this monster that's terrorizing people you go stop the monster and every session takes place over like a week so that's why it's called monster of the week but in that it's very similar where it's like the entire system is based around a d6 instead of a d20 and um there are all of these different like There are all these different classes, but you're allowed to take any point from any class that you want when you get a skill point in the game. So, for instance, my character that I was playing was a, I was basically Navi from The Legend of Zelda (laughs) because the whole premise was uh, video games had busted out into the real world. So I was this, this helper fairy character. But then I also took some stuff from the occult, which made me like see ghost visions and things and i wielded a giant great sword um because i (laughs) took that from the i think it was like the chosen one class uh so yeah i had this thing where like at the start of every session i rolled dice because i had occultic whispers in my head that made me either have big debuffs or big buffs for the rest (laughs) of the session and i had a giant great sword even though i was a tiny little fairy um <laughs> which is very enjoyable when you can cross all of those things over like that besides just the part of having hindrances to enforce those things amongst different player styles mm-hmm. at the same time mixing all of those things together can really broaden uh what any player wants to do and and allow them to be as creative as they want yeah makes something real I, special I will, also, I will also raise you Karnasuba. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's well, all I have to say. <laughs> well, uh we're nearing somewhat the end of our time here. It's been I think I think the moral of of this if nothing else <laughs> other than uh check out 
all the stuff because it sounds all of it sounds really cool. Yes, go check yes. out Paper Dragons. <laughs> uh, but other than that, also check out other TTRPG systems to True. all of us. That goes to me as well. I'm ta- I'm beginning with the man in the mirror, as Mr. Jackson once told me. Uh, <laughs> we need to check out our different systems. You all should check out different systems. You'll find cool stuff like this. But Mitch, if you'd like to plug the stuff for people to find you and check your stuff out as we go out. Yeah, actually, I kind of want to um, hit on that for just a second. If you guys want to learn about different systems, the best thing you can do, in my opinion, I don't want to be trapped in my head with myself. And I used to drive like probably six hours a day at least for my job. I can't be stuck with my own brain for that long. That's not going to be healthy for anyone, you know. I started listening to podcasts. That's where I got back into D&D. There are podcasts out there that focus on any given system, right? So if you guys are looking to get into a system, go find a podcast about it, uh, real play. That way you can hear it, hear how it actually runs and get familiar with it that way. You can uh, you can be more familiar and decide does this does this sound like something I want to do or not? Um, it really is a good way of getting familiar with it. That's what I'm doing right now for Savage Worlds. But if you want to um, find my stuff, it's Paper Dragons podcast. We're on all of the uh, major podcast systems. Uh, we don't do a uh, we don't do YouTube or any of those yet. That would be more expertise and uh, technology that I'm willing to put in, you know. Uh, sound and audio is good enough for me right now. But uh, you can also contact us at paperdragonspodcast at gmail.com. TikTok, we're uh, paperdragonspodcast13. And the uh, new podcast I'm going to be on will be... Um, it's called a sundered world, and the specific ones I'll be on are called uh, Stumpwater Tales. So that's going to be uh, the new one. That one's not going to be coming out for a while. We're not starting it until next month, so obviously it'll be a little further down the line. But you know, I'm really hoping that one's going to go uh, really well. And if you're listening to my current podcast. Just kind of push through the early episodes because audio quality sucks. But, you know, we're doing the best we can with the equipment we have and trying to tell a good story. So hopefully you guys will uh, get in there and enjoy that. And we're actually releasing on a regular basis now, too. So that's always a positive thing for uh, people who are trying to listen. So, yeah, that's what I have. Yeah. And then you guys know us because you're watching this presumably on our channel right now. So well, hopefully you didn't, <laughs> hopefully you didn't start on this one. This yeah. is like our 50-something episode. <laughs> so. I know I, for one, am going to be checking out both uh, Paper Dragon stuff and Asunderworld stuff because I'm interested Absolutely. in how both the systems, I mean, 4th Edition and uh, the Savage World, I'm very interested. Going to get I'll, get my <laughs> I'll give a shameless plug to... If you want another really good fourth edition podcast, go listen to uh, Critical Hit. Yeah. And there's also a podcast called, I think, Savage Worlds that I listen to that's really getting into the nitty gritty of um, that. that I, my brain just shut off on me. Sorry. Mm-hmm. No, you're good. <laughs> uh, that system. There we go. Mm. Uh it really gets into that system and it's an interesting story so far. So there you go. Yeah. And for all you viewers that are like, that all sounds cool. Great. Homework's due next week. Have the report on my desk. No. Please. <laughs> we, we expect it to be an MLA format, please. APA. APA. MLA, dude. It's Chicago I am a psych style. major. No. no. <laughs> no. Wait, we're talking pizza? <laughs> Well, thank you very much for coming on the show, Mitch. It was great having you. Who knows? Maybe we'll be able to have you on again in a future thing, or we can go. I'll maybe. see if I'll yeah. see if I can get my uh, second edition uh, player on here for you guys as well. Because oh, that would be wonderful. Uh, oh yeah, that'd be awesome. He has a lot of stories about uh, playing the early editions and like literally within 
five, ten years of when D&D came out. So, I mean, he goes way back on it. So, yeah. Yeah. So, look forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. But viewers, you also look forward to that. Unless you're watching this in, like, 2024. But anyway. Then look back and subscribe. (laughs) Yeah. Um... Yeah, I think that's it. That's the end of it. Uh, the outro music's playing in the future in my I, head. I've been playing us off for like <laughs> <laughs> editing Jordan. There's something yeah. goes here. <laughs> okay, and hey, we hope you enjoyed the episode you just listened to. If you really like our content, make sure to like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications on YouTube, and look for us on Spotify. If you'd like to see us continuing to do more fun projects in the future, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can find our page linked in the description above all of our other social media links. And finally, if you'd like to keep up with the zany shenanigans of our lives and check out some more skit-based content and things like that, check us out on Twitter and TikTok. Links in the description. And hey, thanks.